1: And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. The Packers back on the field Monday as training camp pushes forward. They're going to be in pads on Tuesday, unfortunately. We don't get preseason games, but... We are getting drips and drabs of information. Obviously, it's early, so we don't have a ton to go on. We're going to talk about that a little bit more today and talk about some of the things that we're, we're already noticing, but, but things that maybe we can pump the brakes on or wait on. I think that's just as important. Conclusions we can't draw. These are things that we always have to guard against. Uh, before we do that, uh, Jay Sternberger has been activated off the COVID list. So he is someone who the Packers are, are expecting a lot of big things from. And so his, his opportunity to get back on the field, get in some work with the, the ones uh, at a time when, you know, big Bob Tanian was out there running with the ones and, and making some plays. You see Josiah DeGuar lining up all over the field. So There's going to be a lot of different opportunities for all of these big people that the Packers have, these tight ends, and Jay Sternberger is, is going to have to hit the ground running because there are some other talented guys in the mix here. Speaking of talented guys, I want to start with the discussion about Jordan Love because a couple weeks ago we talked about looking for training camp touchstones, things that you know, the the different rookies, what does a successful training camp look like for those guys? We can't make a determination about what Jordan Love is or isn't after two practices and probably can't do it after two weeks or even if there were preseason games, two preseason games, probably not even two years into Jordan Love's career in Green Bay are we going to know for sure what he is. And the key for him is to just look like he belongs. Look like an NFL player. And at least through two days, he's done that. And Green Bay has done a very good job of of limiting the, you know, the drama and the attention. Tim Boyle said to reporters yesterday that Aaron Rodgers has been in great spirits. He's laughing. He's joking. It's as comfortable as he's seen Rodgers at a training camp. It is at least by outward appearances hunky-dory there in the quarterback room and in green bay it isn't you know the the drama of last offseason oh is aaron Rodgers going to get to call plays is he going to get to make audibles at the line of scrimmage are he and lafleur gonna gonna get in knockdown, dragout drag out fights over what kind of offense they're running no we don't have any of that now what we have are questions about whether or not this offense can take a step forward But Jordan Love is probably not going to be a part of that, at least not in 2020. So he's not front and center. In fact, he's not even right now the obvious backup quarterback. That's Tim Boyle, who has looked sparkling through two days of practice and is You know, the aptly named laser show. The guy can put the ball wherever he wants on the field. He has a huge arm. And if and when Green Bay does move to Jordan Love, they're going to have a backup that they either feel good about or someone that they think they can trade. In some ways, it's a bummer for them to not have a preseason if for no other reason than there is no trade market for Tim Boyle or at least a smaller trade market because teams are not getting a chance to see him. There is going to be... A chorus of fans and media who say, well, if Jordan Love can't beat out Tim Boyle, then that's how we know he's a bust. That's how we know we should be worried about that. And that's just not true. It's just not. What Jordan Love needs to show is a cursory understanding of the offense. He needs to know where to go with the ball. He needs to be looking in the right places. He needs to know where his answers are. He needs to not be fooled in coverage. He needs to be making physical mistakes, not mental mistakes. And Matt LaFleur talked about it. He is still absorbing the offense. But Matt LaFleur said, look, he's really smart, and I want him to get 1% better every day. That was the challenge to Jordan Love. Get 1% better every single day. There have already been the physical talent evident on the field. It's already been there. He's already able to make you know, nice throws, but Deshaun Kaiser was able to make nice throws too. Brett Hundley was able to make nice throws. Being an NFL player is about much more than just being able to make nice throws. What I said a couple weeks ago was we need to not hear, oh, he is picking up the offense slowly, or he's not on the same page with his receivers, or, you know, those kinds of things are troubling. Not being able to get up to speed offensively would be a problem. And so far, we're not hearing any of that. So far, it's, okay, the footwork is a work in progress because Green Bay is very specific about it. Matt LaFleur is very detailed. They have a very rigorous and, and disciplined approach to making sure, okay, on this throw... You want to have your feet do this, X, Y, Z, in rhythm here. Boom, boom. All right, play action from shotgun. Okay, left, right, left, and it's there. It, there's a cadence to it. And you have to get those things ironed out if you want to be able to make accurate throws because you have to get your feet in the right position. Those are the little things of an offense, the details that Matt LaFleur has talked all season about the whole team needing to learn and and needing to hone down and needing to really fine-tune to get where this offense needs to get to. Jordan Love just needs to not be lost. Just don't get behind from a learning the playbook standpoint, from an offensive philosophy standpoint, and keep doing the things that we know physically he can do. Make the throws. Because you don't want to draft someone who has the physical tools and then have them not show those tools. You don't want to draft someone because of their arm talent, and then they never make wow plays. I mean, Jeff Janis was not a good NFL receiver, but he had a ton of physical tools. And every day in practice, he would make at least one play. And he would make at least one play because he had the tools to make those plays. He could always give you a play. So if you draft someone off physical ability, and they're not even doing that, okay, then now you're wondering, okay, they're they're thinking too much. They're not playing freely. And Matt LaFleur said, look, Jordan Love has a lot going on in his head right now. He's learning a new playbook. Tim Boyle knows the plays. Aaron Rodgers knows the playbook. They know it inside and out. They have experience doing it. They have experience throwing to Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and EQ and Darius Shepard and Jake Kummerow and all these guys. That's not an excuse for Jordan Love. But what it is, is an explanation for him being a little bit behind. Now, being behind Aaron Rodgers and Tim Boyle is one thing, being behind the learning curve for a rookie is another. And that's where he can't be. So, you know, as long as we're not hearing, you know, balls are in the dirt, oh, there's whispers that, you know, he's not picking up the playbook as quickly as the Packers would like, those are the red flags. It's going to take us a long time to find out really what Jordan Love is. And so let's not take two practices, two weeks of training camp, or even, you know, we we get to the, the actual games this season and maybe he gets some backup snaps. By the way, he's probably going to be QB3. If Tim Boyle is on this team and it looks like Tim Boyle is going to be on this team, he's probably going to be QB3, and that's okay. Wrap him in bubble wrap. Because he is the future of this franchise. They need him to be ready in 2021 or 2022. If they're trying to win games this year, look, I I said before, I think there's a case that Jordan Love can can do that. But Tim Boyle is probably going to give you a better chance to do it in 2020. Just because he knows the system and he's got talent too. And, And it's the same thing. We see that arm talent. We see him make throws. We see him drive the ball down the field. We saw it on the field last year in the preseason. I mean, the guy has a cannon. So there's going to be this narrative because we've already seen it with Rashawn Gary. Oh, why couldn't Rashawn Gary get on the field last year? Why couldn't he beat out Kyler Fackrell? Well, they let Kyler Fackrell walk, and Rashawn Gary is a de facto starter now. So maybe let's pump the brakes on making any kind of determinations about who these guys are and what they can be after a couple days in training camp. There are so far no red flags, no warning signs. And if and when there are, we will get to them. And and that is, you know, still something that is up for it's still fair game. It's not like we're going to say, "Okay, well, nothing they do matter." No, no, no. If there are things worth talking about, we'll talk about them. I just want us to to caution against making any sort of snap decisions, good or bad. On any player after two days, but especially someone like Jordan Love, who has a lot of ground that he needs to cover. So long as it seems like he's covering ground, that's what's important for him. And speaking of covering ground, I would need to cover a lot of ground to walk into any auto parts store in America and feel comfortable. It's just not my thing. It's not what I'm good at. I don't understand it. And that is not unique to me. At least I don't think it is because that's why Rock Auto has been in business for as long as they have making it easy and inexpensive to get auto body parts to you. Fast, cheap, that's the deal. No intimidating conversations with store clerks. No, oh, we only have stock for this model. We only have it at this price point. No, thank you. That is not how rockauto.com works. And no two prices one for you and one for a professional mechanic. It's low prices for everyone. It's a family-owned business trying to get auto parts to customers online for 20 years, rockauto.com. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. I know what those last three are. Whether it's for your classic or your daily car, everyone needs a little something. Get it all in a few clicks quickly delivered to your door and their prices are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? I'm the kind of person that would walk into a store and get ripped off, not at rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck and right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you.
0: America's number one organic bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local
1: grocery store. So AJ Dillon has been sort of the mascot of Packers training camp through two practices and he went viral on day 1 and and kept it up on day 2 thanks with, to an, an assist from Packers social media you know the the Saquon okay who's got who's got better quads Saquon or or AJ Dillon and I don't want us to get caught up in the muscle building because the reality is AJ Dillon can help this team and AJ Dillon is going to be asked to help this team. And you know he had a, he had a long catch down the seam on Monday and that was supposed to be the knock on him. We talked about it on this show multiple times since he's been drafted. The hands are there. He's he's a natural hands catcher. Matt LaFleur talked about it to reporters. Look, he can pluck the ball and that's something that separates good pass catchers from okay pass catchers. If you need to body catch everything, You cannot be a factor down the field, really, because you have to be wide open and the ball has to be just so. You need to be able to pluck the ball to catch the ball out in front of you, and I think that has taken Aaron Jones' game to a new level. The Packers find ways to get running backs involved in the passing game. It's one of the big reasons Matt LaFleur didn't play Derrick Henry early on in Tennessee because he's just not a factor in the passing game unless it's a screen. And so you become a little predictable by formation. If Derrick Henry is out there, it's either a run or a pass that he's not involved in. You don't need to account for him in the passing game the same way. Deion Lewis can split out. He can run a little Texas route. He can run you know, the arrow routes and he can run the running back fly routes. He can run the seam routes. He can do a little bit of everything in the passing game for you. It's why Matt LaFleur wanted him on the field. A.J. Dillon, if he can show he has that pass-catching ability, that is his ticket onto the field because you have to have that. Go back and look at what Jamal Adams was for the Packers last year. They had plays designed to get him open, get him the ball in space in the passing game, and go to work. I mean, he was a touchdown machine, and he was working on routes this offseason because the Packers' running backs are going to get split out and, and you're going to identify matchups, and you're going to try and get uh, a running back on a linebacker, and when you're A.J. Dillon and you're 6-flat, 250, and you run 4-5, you are a mismatch just walking out against a linebacker or a safety. And if you then show the ability to be more than just a decoy out there, if you can make plays down the seam, if you can find holes in zone coverage, if you can be more than just a check-down screen guy, then you're going to play. And Brian Gutekindst over the weekend compared A.J. Dillon to Eddie Lacy. By the way, that is the comp that I made after he was drafted. When you go back and look at what Eddie Lacy was for the Packers in his prime, in his prime, when he was, you know, shreddy Lacy, that guy could make plays in the passing game. You could get a screen to him and he would take it for 60 because defensive backs can't tackle him. I mean he was just pinball off guys. He would spin around guys. He would run over guys and and you'd see defensive backs making business decisions. I'm getting out of the way. I'm not I'm not getting hurt for this guy. I'm not getting hurt for my team. Uh-uh. AJ Dillon can be that. And and that's just screens and checkdowns. So once you get that guy in in open space against defensive backs, he's a problem. Well, as a running back, you know, that's all well and good, but you need to then get into the second level and that's the hard part. Most of most of the backs that size don't have the juice to get to that second level. Derrick Henry does. It's what made him special. Once Brandon Jacobs lost that juice, he couldn't play anymore. Ron Dayne, for example, a name that is a throwback name, but but is one that I'm sure a lot of you recognize. He didn't have the juice. So in college, that Wisconsin offensive line opened up all these holes and no one could tackle him. In the NFL, he couldn't get into the second level where he could make defenders just cower in fear. A.J. Dillon, if he can be a threat in the passing game, can do that. Plus, you do have a very good offensive line. You have an offensive line that was excellent last year running out of shotgun. So now you put A.J. Dillon out there and you put him next to Aaron Rodgers in shotgun, and you run him against nickel or dime personnel, what do you think is going to happen? He's got one linebacker to beat. If that linebacker either guesses wrong, misdiagnoses, or gets blocked, then all of a sudden it's A.J. Dillon on a safety, And, and that is where Aaron Jones absolutely mashed teams last year. If he can then split out Okay, it's Aaron Rodgers in shotgun, three receivers and a tight end, and now you motion to empty with A.J. Dillon, and he is a threat. Now we're talking about a player who can be a real weapon for the Packers. My point in going this deep on Dillon after two days of practice is to say let's not get caught up only in the body stuff. Because the jokes are great. And I, look, I, I made some and they were fun and I'm going to keep making them and it's going to be a running joke and he gets it and he, he seemed to tuck the shorts in and made them smaller on Monday specifically because he gets what the deal is and he gets everyone's looking and, and good for him. If I look like that, I, you, you couldn't pay me to wear clothes because you just want every, let's, let's everyone see what's, what's going on here. Okay. That's fine but it's not all he is. He's not just a body. He's not just a workout warrior. He's not just an athlete. Guys in the ACC for multiple seasons couldn't tackle him. He's a football player too. And I think you know there's a lot of pushback from fans Oh well, you know, four five two four it's two forty seven. Speed score. What's who cares about speed score? Who cares about burst score? Those are just numbers. Okay, great. The guy can play football. He's a really good football player, and he can do things that you wouldn't expect someone his size to be able to do. Remember, we had the Synergy Sports guy on here talking about the the ability to move at his size, being special, and how impressed he was right away. Oh, the quickness, the lateral agility, how he carries that weight, how he carries that frame. Matt LaFleur said he hasn't seen anyone like A.J. Dillon physically. Remember, he's been around Devonte Freeman, Tevin Coleman. He's been around Todd Gurley and Derrick Henry, some pretty impressive physical guys. Just physically, Todd Gurley is a monster. Derrick Henry, we know, is a beast. But AJ Dillon is different from them. We're talking about ultra elite size, speed athlete, unique in the history of the game. Seriously. Now, whether or not that that translates to the field, if, if if all it took is athleticism, you know there'd be a lot more guys in the Hall of Fame. My point here is to say, look, we have to look beyond this, because he's actually doing things on the field that are worthy of praise, and so let's let's praise that too. Let's look at what he can be on the field in addition to getting our jokes off about how yoke this guy is. And I'm it's taking everything in my power to not make a joke yoke a yoke joke. I I'm going to try not to do it. I'm a dad now I'm allowed but I'm still I'm not going to do it. I'm going to refrain. I'm going to show some good discipline here. I'm going to get I'm going to show good pad level, good fundamentals and try and figure this out. AJ Dillon can be a weapon for this team this year. And next year, it sounds like the Packers want to get a deal done with Aaron Jones. We talked about that yesterday. So if that's the case, in a lot of ways, he's the perfect complement to Aaron Jones because he brings you that physicality, that hammerback that Jamal Williams can be. But with a little bit more juice, a little bit more potential upside because he has that athletic talent. And if he's already showing, hey, I've got soft hands, I can make catches out of the backfield, I can go down the field and do the things that they like to do with Packers running backs. Matt LaFleur is going to make you a weapon as a running back in the passing game. If he can do that, then he's the ideal one-two punch to play with Aaron Jones.
2: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
0: Hey, everybody, this is Jason Buckland, and let me welcome you back to our podcast,
1: In Conversation with Shopify Plus. Now, season one was all about the biggest names in business Steve Madden, Danny Reese, Chip Wilson. But wait till you hear who we're talking to now for season two Philip Prem, CEO, Casper, Webb Smith, founder, 2PM, Kyle Kadakia, founder, ClassPass, Heather Hassan, Trina Spear, co founder, co CEO, Thanks Chris Saka, co founder, Lower Carbon Capital, RELK, CEO, Parachute. This is In Conversation with Shopify Plus. I said this last night on Twitter, but you know, through two practices, one of the early winners is this 2020 draft class because Josiah Deguara, from the jump, from the jump, running with the ones, playing some fullback, playing a little bit of everywhere, they want to get him involved. They like what he can do. They like what he can be, and not just like Matt LaFleur. <laughs> his first thing he said about Josiah Deguara in the press conference uh, when they drafted him was, I love Josiah. Clearly a guy Matt LaFleur pounded the table for. He's going to play and he's going to be a factor. We just talked about A.J. Dillon. Now you have Vernon Scott out there making plays in the passing game as a safety. There's an opportunity for him not just to make this team, but to play. Because Will Redmond was a special teams player last year and, and then got in when Darnell Savage got hurt. But with Ibrahim Campbell out, Yes, Raven Green is back, but they've got some room at that safety position. I think he's gonna make the team, and if he's gonna if he's gonna be a ball hawk and a playmaker, he might have to play. And that was something at at TCU in college that he would do. He found the ball. He found the ball pretty consistently in college. And, you know, maybe the athletic ability or whatever. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why. He was a, a day three player and someone that a lot of the draft analysts said Green Bay reached for. But if he's making plays on the ball, you know that that's someone that that has a chance to get on the field. Will Redmond made the team last year and earned a spot as as one of those backup safeties in precisely this manner. He was not predicted to do that. He was changing positions and then was was able to make this team and had to start games for Green Bay last year. So I'm not saying that that, you know, that's what's going to happen here, but he's part of that mix of players where okay, these guys are already showing some flashes, already showing you some of that talent. So it's a reminder, you know, all the all the necessary through-to-practice caveats apply. But it's a reminder that we don't judge draft classes solely based on what happened in the moment and we don't we don't give grades only on what happened on draft day? We, it, it's fine to do that. It's fine to grade process. It's fine to say this this strategy was potentially uh, an unwise strategy or an imprudent one, or or maybe a, a misuse of resources. But if you get good players, that's what that's what teams ultimately care about. You know, we can grade the process, but the outcome is really what's most important in terms of what's what's happening on the field. It's not necessarily what's most important overall because you need to be able to have repeatable processes and all that stuff. I mean, that that stuff's boring, right? This team is already, this group is already showing some flashes already showing why this front office was so high on some of these guys. And that's what you want. That's what you want. And, and to get that already, I mean, usually you get it in a preseason game. Oh, okay. The Packers, they got this guy and they like him, And this is why, well, for them to already be this this up to speed, no offseason, no OTAs, no rookie camps, they are getting some extra work, but they're an early winner in all this, and that can change, right? It's two days of practice, but it is, it is an early positive sign for this draft class that they're already out there making some plays, and whether or not that can sustain, look, they're rookies. They're probably going to be inconsistent, so it's probably not going to sustain, but it's it's just worth noting at this point because it's the only data that we have and, and that's what we're working off. It's worth shouting them out because they are one of the early winners of this training camp process. Speaking of, we're going to be talking about it more tomorrow. They'll be in pads tomorrow, and uh, so we'll be out here doing everything we can to keep you updated on what's going on. Uh, there there have been some injuries around the league, some potentially big injuries. Gerald McCoy looks like he's out for the season. Jalen Hurd looks like he's out for the season, which is a potential huge blow for the 49ers, who are already going to be without Debo for the foreseeable future. We'll see what he's able to be and when they're they're going to bring him back, but they, they're going to need Brandon Ayuk to be a star right away. That's tough. These injuries are, are mounting, and it's something that I think we're going to talk about a little bit This week, too, because that could be a a potential bang on effect of COVID that these guys are coming in in different kind of shape, having to get all their work in now. And it it could make them a little bit more susceptible to injury. So something to keep an eye on as we move forward here. Hopefully Green Bay is able to avoid that. And and you never want to see injuries. Hopefully everyone is able to avoid that and stay healthy. The reality is that's probably not going to happen. We're going to be back tomorrow. Follow us on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.